Welcome to the Orange Hammer Podcast. My name is Corbett Storick. I've been a licensed general contractor for eight plus years, specializing in new construction, renovation, furniture building. I'm the son of an architect and an interior designer, and I've been surrounded in this industry since birth, watching all aspects from concept, design, build, punch list, and of course, all the problems that come up in between. In my time in Durham, North Carolina, I've noticed a significant gap in knowledge between homeowners who need work and the people who do the work. On this podcast, I hope to break down the process of homeownership from the perspective of both the homeowner and the contractor in an effort to help raise the knowledge of homeowners about their homes and the construction slash renovation process. I hope you enjoy. If you're enjoying the Orange Hammer podcast, or if you have a topic that you want covered, or have recently done a project, please contact the Orange Hammer podcast. The Orange Hammer podcast is on Instagram and Facebook. Please like and subscribe, share on whatever platform you're enjoying your podcast on. Also check out our YouTube channel, The Orange Hammer. The Orange Hammer podcast is proud to be brought to you by CRS Contracting LLC, For all your construction and handyman needs, new buildings to renovations, furniture building, EV charger install, or even a TV mounted, you can call me, Corbett Storick. It'd be my pleasure to help you. You can find me on Instagram at CRS Contracting, WSDG, the Walter Storick Design Group, specialists in architectural and acoustical consulting. Check out WSDG.com. And Taylor Bragg, for all your artistic needs in all mediums, you can find her on Instagram at Bragg underscore about underscore art. That's Bragg, B-R-G-G, with two Gs. She's the fantastic artist behind the Orange Hammer logo, and she did my fantastic table painting of my podcasting table. everybody welcome to episode one of the orange hammer podcast i'm your host corbett storick today we're going to be talking about kitchen and more specifically kitchen renovations so if you wanted to talk about renovating your kitchen the first thing that you really need to talk about is the scope of work okay and we're talking are we doing new cabinets are we doing new countertops are we getting new appliances Inside appliances, are we maybe moving from electric to gas? Are we adding more appliances? Possibly we are adding a mini fridge. We're adding a trash compactor. compactor. Uh, Are we changing water locations? Maybe the new fridge needs water for an ice maker that the old fridge didn't have. A lot of people are putting pot fillers by the stove, uh, pet fountains, Adding a dishwasher, if you have an old house and you're tired of washing dishes by hand, maybe you added a bar and you want to add a small bar sink. Those are all reasons why you might need to add another water location. Are we doing new lighting, relocating lighting, adding lighting, Uh, new or old floor patching, trim paint, backsplashes, cabinet handles, also known as pulls. And these are just most but not all of the things that would go into a scope of work when you're renovating your kitchen. Now, talking about the connection of all of these parts is very important. Knowing the connection of these parts and how they connect to each other specifically will really help you know what you're getting yourself into before you start a project or call a contractor. A small example 
be uh, changing your stove from power or electric to gas, natural gas or propane. Now, it seems like it would be something very simple, but in fact, if you don't have a gas line, you would need gas run from the city. If Even if you do have a gas line, you need a professional plumber to come in and tap into your gas line and add a T and then go to the location of the stove to have a shutoff and a connection point. All very has to be safe, uh, approved, uh, inspected, permitted. Um, and uh, changing the power supply needs. Uh, your regular electric stove has a giant four-prong 220 electric plug. Uh, it's that big four-prong guy that RVs and dryers plug into. Uh, or, or if you uh, have a Tesla EV car, you might be familiar with those big four-prong plugs as they're pretty popular these days being installed in garages. Uh, and you need to change that Um to a regular outlet, a 110, because a gas stove pretty much just needs the 110 for a little pilot light action um, and uh, the clock, mostly. Um, so that's just a very small example of how, um, you know, knowing how these things differ and go together really can be um, a difference maker in knowing your kitchen and your scope of work. Okay. So... <clears throat> connecting the kitchen parts helps educate how the project would work and also why something must be changed. Okay. A good example of that might be, let's say that you just want to swap your countertops, but backsplashes sit on top of countertops for the most part. It's very impossible, more or less impossible to remove a countertop and keep a backsplash and then slide in a new countertop. Okay, continuing down there as well, if you wanted to, you know, the countertop is glued down to the cabinets. So you can't just replace cabinets and keep a countertop. It's attached, it's going to get destroyed, you know, demoing it. Obviously, there are exceptions to every rule. Uh, the biggest ex exception to what I just spoke of would be those Formica countertops. They have that like back curved backsplash it's kind of all one piece um they're screwed in from the bottom of the cabinets you could unscrew that and as long as your cabinet layout was exactly the same uh, you could just screw it back onto the new cabinets done um and then on the exact opposite side of the spectrum of needing every professional under the gun there are projects in a kitchen renovation that you could very easily do diy uh, right off the bat, the easiest one to describe in that matter would be cabinet handles or pulls. Um, this is a simple screwdriver, at most a drill, maybe a putty knife, swapping out drill handles or pulls as they're more commonly called in the industry. Very simple, very easy. And honestly, it is the cheapest uh, DIY upgrade you can do to a kitchen and does the most for your like your personal enjoyment of your space. Now that we've done with some examples, let's break down the kitchen into all its various layers and also their relevance. Okay. So we're going to work from the bottom up. So uh, you would think we go right to cabinets. We're going to go even lower and we're going to go to the floor. Okay. And we're not going to go to the floor you actually walk on. We're going to go below that to the subfloor. 
okay? Because your kitchen cabinets, if they're installed correctly by a, a proper professional, cabinets are not sitting on the nice hardwood or tile floor that you are walking on in your kitchen. They are sitting on the subfloor or plywood. Some people might have concrete. Well, most people have plywood for the sake of this conversation. You have a, a subfloor made of plywood sitting on some two-by joists of various uh, depths, uh, and then you have a crawl space. Um, that's an important thing because if you are demoing a section of your kitchen, you are going to have a patch that you are going to have to deal with. Let's say you have an L shape of a kitchen and a breakfast bar juts out and you don't like that breakfast bar. You want to get rid of it because you want to go open concept, which I personally love. That's great. But where those cabinets were, you are now going to have a giant gaping hole of no finished floor, whatever you may have, and you're gonna see right down to that subfloor, okay? So why is that a factor? Well, you gotta patch that. Nobody can live with that. So, you know, depending on uh, what the type of floor is, that's gonna determine the difficulty of how you patch it. Um, is there something rotted underneath there that you have to repair? You don't know till you rip it up. Um, is it still level? You might have to add some floor leveler. And then also what's the floor around, you know, if it's hardwood, you know, there's hardwood companies. If, you, if you've got a box laying around, great. Same with tile, same with vinyl, you know, it gets more complicated when it's a one-off flooring that cannot be located anymore. Then you start having conversations like, okay, well, let's just rip up the floor in just the kitchen and we'll put a whole new floor in just the kitchen. And then we start talking about transition strips, uh, transition strips. Pretty self-explanatory by the name. They are a strip for transitioning. You see them in a bedroom or a, a closet or maybe a hallway to bathroom where you might have a hardwood hallway goes to a tile bathroom or a hardwood hallway and then it goes to a carpeted bedroom. That piece under the door uh, is a transition strip. They come in various sizes, various types, various you know uh, materials. Now, once we've gone up from subfloor, we're still not even at cabinets. We have to talk about trim, okay? Because again, we're talking about how your kitchen is connected to each other, okay? So you need to realize the cost of a professional pulling away the trim, the likelihood it could get damaged, then replacing it. If we're doing a full demo, what kind of trim do you want to see go back up? Do you want it to match the rest of the house, okay? Do you want it to be your new style, these are all costs. They all add up. There's also different ways and in, in installation processes, and neither one is correct. The two main ones would be to have your uh, flooring go right to the cabinet and then the trim go down over top of it to cover that gap. All right. <clears throat> Some could call that done. And then another option is to install your uh, trim or baseboard first. You run your flooring to it, and then you put what is called a quarter round or a shoe nosing, <clears throat> excuse me. And that is uh, something to hide that little gap. Um, if you go home after reading or listening to this podcast and take a look at you know, your home, you're probably gonna see that you have some shoe nosing somewhere in your house. And um, it's either white to match the baseboard or it is um, whatever color hardwood flooring. It, it has the same stain. 
<coughs> Excuse me. Okay, now that we're done with trim, we can finally get to something more exciting, and that's cabinets. Uh, first of all, we got to talk about two main styles. You can get what I would call pre-built, or really what, what I'm using is standard, I would say, in my world, or IKEA-style uh assembly style where you're just going to get a bunch of planks and some hardware and, and you're going to have to, you know, Ikea style, put them together. Um, in fact, Ikea does in fact sell kitchens. Um, I'm not going to say that they are crappy, but they are obviously not the best. They're not made of solid wood. Most of the time they're made of particle board. Um, how the cabinets are attached. They are attached to the walls behind them, left and right if it's a corner, or directly behind if it's a, a wall or just a regular, you know, not a corner cabinet. And then also, to make sure that the faces align flawlessly, they are clamped and screwed together. So this is a crucial piece of information if you are doing a small kitchen uh, renovation. You know, we, we use that example of taking away that kitchen breakfast, uh, you know, peninsula, you know, you don't want to just start swinging with a sledgehammer. You could go in and very delicately remove a few screws and just pop it away, you know, and then you just have to deal with an unfinished side and, and changing a countertop. So these are all things that are very important to know. And not everybody has this standard information because they don't install this stuff every day. Okay. Um, now if we are, once again, I just got to make a note, you know, Ikea, I love Ikea for a lot of things, but I wouldn't buy my kitchen from Ikea. It's particle board. If you're doing anything for yourself for any sort of long run, you're going to want to spend the money getting real three quarter inch solid wood. And it's just, it's just solid. It's beefy. It's going to last. The drawer slides are going to last a little bit longer. Um, you know, it, it, it's just a, it's just a better product. You get what you pay for. This goes without saying in all aspects of this industry and other industries for that matter. Um, now I'd like to talk again, if we're talking cabinets, <clears throat> talk a little bit about layout, get a design professional, cannot say it with any more emphasis. Okay. Cabinets come in a gazillion different sizes. There are standards, but still from nine inches to 60 inches or six inches might be too big, but still, you know, those big ones that you put the farm sinks in and everything in between drawer numbers, door sizes. Do you want drawers and doors? And then there's the insets. And then there's the ones that pull. And do you want a garbage can? Do you want it to swing? Do you want it to pull left, right, this, that, and the third? Okay. So many options. The people at Home Depot and Lowe's behind the counter in that section, they're actually great at this. There are third-party options. I have a professional I use. She's actually my wonderful and talented mother. Hi, Beth. How are you? Hi, Mom. And, you know, using a design professional is key. And they usually have some wisdom to impart, and they're happy to do it. Also, you can then get a little printout and go and draw it out at home and tape it out on the ground with some blue painter's tape. I love doing that. You can get a real life visual. Okay. Next, we're going to talk about what I've lumped three into, into one category. And those three are countertops, sinks, and backsplashes. Okay. So the countertop, as I mentioned before, they are glued down for the most part. We're going to assume that we are upgrading to away from Formica 
you know, if you're if you're doing a rental property, more power to you. I've got rental properties, and Formica is fine. The thing is, two rounds of Formica costs about one round of granite. So for me, because one you know hot pot off of the stove accidentally put on the Formica is going to leave that stain, and then it's trash. Whereas the stone will hold up against that. I would say it's always worth, you know, shelling out for that stone. It looks so much better. It's a higher quality. You can still get a matching, you know, stone backsplash, or you can go with a tile. Um, so a lot of people are using nice stone from quartz to marble, um, granite, multiple levels of granite. Um, really, that comes down to budget, price. Well, that's the same thing. And style, you know. Um, sinks got to talk about pretty much style is really the only question. And then, um, under and over mount, which is also a style thing, but, um, also a strength thing. And also is important because if you are doing, well, let me back up over mount as it sounds is the seam of the lip of the sink is over the countertop. Undermount, it's mounted underneath with clips. That's a more like modern style. I personally have that as well. Um, strength wise, they're the same. I mean, these undermount ones don't, the undermount ones don't, don't like fall off. They're, they're fine. Um, there's also these like farm sinks. It's making a huge comeback. Um, this again is you just need to know before you start talking countertops because you need to own the sink and have either the sink itself or the template that came in the box for the countertop installer. Because they need to know when they come to measure your countertop, when they come to measure the cabinets, they need to know what sink to cut the hole the exact size and if it's under or overbound. These are important things. And then I mentioned just a minute ago, backsplash. Pretty much there's two options, and that is getting a matching uh strip piece usually four to six inches in height um the exact size of your countertop the, to match the countertop by the you know granite or other stone installer or just get that countertop put down and then you go back to a tile contractor and throw up a tile backsplash it's a common thing uh subway tile huge but there's no uh, limit on the amount of tiles there are there's probably a hundred thousand different types of tiles from 45 you know, 55 cent a piece subway tiles at Lowe's to, you know, $25 a square foot hand painted, you know, Italian marble, you know, and you, and that's up to your style and your budget. Um, as far as installing them, there's subtle differences, but more or less the same for a professional uh, installer. Now, I just really want to bring it back and touch about the importance of layout, and why you really need a plan and a design professional. Okay, when you start moving things like that breakfast island peninsula that we have talked about, it doesn't really matter. When you start moving an entire kitchen, it really matters for your other subcontractors. Okay, if you're moving the sink location, the plumbing needs to then move. Okay. Patches and walls may need to be opened. Pipes may need to be extended. Cut out, new ones put in. Same with dishwasher location. That requires electrical wiring. 
and outlets by code need to be a certain spacing. So all of these things are very clutch in terms of their importance of information for your subcontractor as well. Okay, so if you're tackling something on your own and then just getting a plumber and electrician, you really need to be on your game. You know, if you're hiring somebody like me, a general contractor, that's their job. That's why they make their money. Okay, so that's just, you know, just a quick bit about that. It's it's important not to just go in a willy nilly, you know. Um, moving on to one of the last things would be appliances. Um, some swapping, very easy. Dishwasher breaks, you go get a new dishwasher. They're all the same dimension. Water in, water out, power. It's that simple. I'm telling you, you could do it with a YouTube video, and I'm not even trying to take that business away from me, but it's that simple. It's not hard, okay? Now, swapping a fridge is just muscle, all right? You unplug it, you figure out how to get it out of your house, you wheel that new one in there, and you plug it in, okay? Now, there are different, there are ramifications that could adjust the difficulty. Let's say you have a very old fridge and your new fridge has ice and water and your old one didn't. Well, guess what? Now you need water to the back of that fridge. Now, when you unwrap that fridge, there's going to be a beautiful brand new PEX water line coming out of that fridge. And when you go to hook it up to your wall, there's not going to be any water line there. So now you need a plumber and it's not difficult, but you need a plumber to run a little PEX probably through the floor right behind the fridge, unless there's room to get in the wall with ease, you know, so those where that's where very simple things, you know, you can still use that fridge and plug it in and use a fridge and just not have ice and water until the plumber gets there. It's not like you're screwed and you have to live with two fridges in the living room. So, but you know, those are just, those are small examples of, you know, appliances could be very easy, could be very hard. Uh, I mentioned a little bit earlier about um, the gas, the stove example, going from electric to gas. To dive into that, you know, if you have gas, it's relatively simple for a plumber. Shuts you off, adds a T, runs a new thing with a shut off. You get a permit, you get approval, you hook it up. Not that hard. Electrician runs a new wire for a 110 down from a 220. You know, in the scheme of life, not that complicated. Now, if you don't have gas, all of a sudden things get very complicated. Not complicated, but just a lot more steps and a lot more money, frankly, and time. I mean, you're going to have to see about getting gas run from the city if you live in a vicinity of public utilities, water, gas, power. Um, If you live out in the country, or just, you know, somewhere where you're far enough away where they can't run it, then you're going to have to get a tank and you're going to have to arrange for that tank to get filled every so often. And that quote every so often is simply going to depend on how much gas you're using. You know, when you start to realize gas is superior for cooking and then you're like, oh, it'd be really nice to have a gas log fireplace. And oh, I'd really like to stop buying grill tanks. Let's pipe it into the grill. You know, this, that, and then you get a gas water heater because they're more efficient All of a sudden, that gas tank either needs to be bigger or refilled a lot more often. And those are just, you know, every situation would determine, you know, what size tank and how often and and based on your needs, you know, you would get a tank of a various size and, and it's very situational. Now, the final thing would be what I would call final touches. And those 
We start with paint colors and painting. All right. Picking them is a style thing. Painting is, you know, a lot of people. I've had a lot of clients in my personal life due to budget are like, we will paint it. And then I know a lot of people who they see how good my sheetrocker does at priming and puttying and caulking and getting it ready for paint. And they just go, you know what? This was a mistake. Have your guy keep going. So those are that's, you know, more or less getting into the final stages. Then uh, we talked about sink, but not the faucet. Um, they don't come together. Well, I actually, that's not true. Uh, rarely they do come together, but in reality, or not in reality, but for the most part, they do not come together. You go by the sink you want and the faucet you want. They don't even have to be the same brand. Um, little side note there, talk to your plumber and consider getting a brand that he at least knows and likes. Um, cause the more sufficient they are in installations, just the better your job's going to go. I mean, don't compromise your style by any means. It's your faucet. But, you know, if he says he likes these two brands and you go to the store and they have the one you like in those two brands, yeah, there you go. And lastly, on my list, I've got kitchen poles. Um, also we call them handles, um, cabinets. They don't come with holes. Okay. Uh, you got to drill them yourself. Uh, if you're me and I'm doing a kitchen installation, that's honestly one of the more fun parts. It's very, uh, you know, you make a template, you drill the holes, you you install them just with some screws that come. All, the screws come with the handle and you literally just have to mark and drill and make sure they're perfect centered level, whatever. Um and then the last thing is uh, to enjoy your kitchen and make make a pecan pie and send it to me for my help. <laughs> um, so understanding how your kitchen is connected and all its parts will really help you understand the options and the cost breakdowns and when you're doing a kitchen renovation. Uh, when you see a cost and you wonder why, now you can think about the parts, the part uh, you know the parts that have to be taken down. The parts that have to be trashed, the new parts, what has to be ordered, and importantly, what has to be planned. Now, I hope this has been fun. I hope this has been informative. It's my first podcast. Uh, I hope this helps and makes your first contact with a contractor for a kitchen renovation. Uh, I hope you feel more confident and you know you can actually get down to the nitty gritty. And I sure hope you tune in next time as we tackle another part of the home on the Orange Hammer podcast. <laughs>